0: Hello everyone, I'm Zola Zinket. Welcome to COVID Stuck Abroad, the podcast where I get to chat with South Africans who are living abroad in 2020, when COVID-19 changed the world as we know it. This podcast aims to tell the personal accounts of guests featured and does not claim to offer verified facts. To get verified information about COVID-19 and related information, please refer to the official World Health Organization website, as well as the official South African government website. Please see the show notes for links. It must also be stated that COVID Stuck Abroad will not tolerate xenophobic sentiments. Listeners should recognize that the personal experiences of one individual cannot be viewed as a representation of an entire nation, ethnicity or culture. Okay, now let's get to today's episode. Hello everyone, today's guest is Mardia Oekerman. She's joining us from Vietnam in the city of Da Nang, where she has been working as an ESL teacher at a language academy since 2019. She's also studying part-time and online for her postgraduate diploma in education at Conistone Institute, which is situated in South Africa.
1: Hi, Madia. Hi, Zola. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Enjoying winter?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> That seems rude coming from you because uh, I'm sure no, no, it's like no, such honestly, lovely I weather. Some cold
1: weather. Some cold weather this side would be nice too.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> Today's not bad. The day we were recording, it's not too bad. Okay. So, you in Vietnam, right?
1: Right now, what is the weather there like? Well, it's pretty hot and humid right now. Um, so, like, it's basically summer, but it will get hotter from here on out. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's really hot and humid. (laughs) Um, It's raining every now and then, but yeah, basically just hot. It's always hot. Yeah. But it's nice. It's nice weather to be out on the beach. And so.
0: I'm a very Joburg person in the (laughs) sense that, you know, when it's cold, I'm complaining, but if it was too hot, I'd also be complaining. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very Goldilocks. Still jealous though. (laughs) Still jealous. I wish I had like warm weather right now, but. Let me get into this. Like the first mm-hmm. question I'll sort of get into is how did you first move to Vietnam?
1: Um, Okay, so I lived in Korea. That's where you and I met. I lived there for a couple of <laughs> years. And then, yeah, I just realized I need a bit of a change, you know, need more diversity. So I decided to come to Vietnam.
0: Wait, how many years in, were you in Korea?
1: Uh, I guess like about on and off altogether about six years almost. Oh wow. I first moved here in 2012 right after university. So basically what started as a gap year has essentially turned into a career oh. <laughs> um, which I'm grateful for. I'm very happy. I'm, I really really enjoy what I'm doing um, which is why I'm studying to just not be an English teacher for the rest of my life but um, I just needed a bit of a change from Korea so that's why Vietnam.
0: I actually also wanted to like ask you about that like how did you you know get into a career of being an ESL teacher because you've done it for so long so how did Mm. you even know about it how did you start it and you know what attracted you to it as a career path
1: Hmm. I think initially for most people who do it for the first time it's kind of like a just a nice break a way to make some money and travel a bit Mm. which is what it was for me first Um, Like I had a friend, we studied together, we did our degree together. And after we graduated, she went to Korea and I did a postgrad. And I always just followed what she was doing and got emails from her. Mm -hmm. And it looked really cool. I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that instead of just, you know, jump into the whole nine to five after university. And um, so I thought, yeah, I'll do that for like a year or two, maybe. And well, yeah, that became a few more years. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I do actually really enjoy teaching. There's been ups and downs, but I find it really rewarding. But I've been very fortunate with the work I've gotten. So, yeah, it's a good life. I enjoy it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, since leaving South Africa in 2012, mm-hmm. you've lived in South Korea and Vietnam now? Yes. Or I actually lived did elsewhere? go home
1: for a year. Um, I lived oh, in okay. um, near Cape Town. I lived there for a bit. Yeah. Um, and it worked. And then I went back to Korea. So I like on and off, I would go home now and then. Yeah. And the longest I was home in between was a year. And then every time I'll just go back to Korea. And now this time when I came to Vietnam, I haven't actually been home yet. This is the longest <laughs> I've been away from home, consecutive period of time, about more than two years now. Um, but yeah, such is life.
0: Yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> Um let me first ask what was it like first moving to Vietnam? Um so what was it like living in Da Nang? This is, you know, mm-hmm. when you first moved there in 2019 what was life like in I Da Nang? I really
1: enjoyed it. I I loved it. It's such a beautiful city, like so vibrant. It, I mean, it's a big tourist city. This is like it thrives of tourism. Oh. So there's so many people from all over. It's such a diverse group of people you meet here. Even not just tourists but the people who work here. It's not just you know, like what we had in Korea was like the English-speaking countries, the English teachers. Here it's a much larger group uh-huh. of people, including the local people. And I just find it more diverse and I enjoy that and the beautiful scenery, very low cost of living. And luckily I have a very, very good job, very supportive environment. Um, so I was very fortunate when I first got here, kind of just jump into all of it. But no, I really enjoyed Da Nang. I wouldn't live anywhere else in Vietnam, even now with everything, Uh, yeah.
0: uh Okay, so did you go straight from Korea to Vietnam or were you in South Africa and then went to Vietnam?
1: I was in South Africa and then I went to Vietnam. So I took like two weeks off. So I I shipped all the stuff I had or a lot of things. I just shipped it straight to Vietnam because it was so much cheaper to do that. And then I went Mm -hmm. home for two weeks on vacation uh, and then I came to Vietnam. From South Africa. And then I had my cat brought over three months later, (laughs) once I was settled in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So this was in April 2019?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. In April.
0: And that was the last time you were in SA?
1: Yeah. Little did I know.
0: (laughs) Did you have any plans to come to South Africa at any point?
1: Yeah, I guess. You know, for me, it's like, you can't really plan that far ahead. But I was thinking, oh, if I take a contract break, because maybe... Mm. I would stay in Vietnam longer, but I'll take a quick break and maybe go home for a bit, um, which is usually the case. I'll go home in between. But obviously that did not work out. And I was actually supposed to finish up this April and go home around now Uh. as well. So, But I decided to stay here instead. So,
0: okay, let's get into it. You know, Mm -hmm. this podcast is called COVID Stuck Abroad (laughs) and it's about, you know, how the coronavirus pretty much just like changed people's lives and plans. Mm. When did you even first hear about this virus and what it is?
1: You know, I think I first heard or read about it, like just like articles, news articles and about December, the end of 2019 was when Mm. I first like just read about it you know, before it started like majorly spreading, but it was still only in China at that time. Then it became a bit more widely spoken of, I guess, um, the year after. So I went during Lunar New Year. That was the last time Mm. I left Vietnam was vacation. I went to Thailand. And while I was there, it was really very much like it was getting bigger and bigger in the news. And I remember on the way back to Vietnam, there were so many people who were going back to China And they had like boxes and boxes full of masks and things that they were taking with them back home, which was which I found strange. But I'm like, okay, I guess this is because of this virus thing. And yeah, two days after I got back or just a few days after I got back, we went into lockdown.
0: Really? Um,
1: Kind of. Well, yeah, the schools closed. Things kind of still went on as normal because there weren't any cases in Vietnam yet, but they were just taking precautions um okay yeah when was this so i mean if you're
0: saying lunar new year so i'm guessing this is around february
1: yeah like uh end of january february yeah i think the lockdown was oh it wasn't even a lockdown it was more just like the schools closed that i can't remember what else was closed but we were still everything else was still okay for the most part we just weren't working so it's like,
0: there were no known cases yet in vietnam but they already no. closed down the schools yeah oh well, that's so interesting because, like, did they explain to you as teachers, like, what they expected that no, to like, like know, help with?
1: <laughs> That's kind of a thing here. It's like you just hear, okay, this is going to happen. And when you're like, why? For how long? Oh, we don't know. It's kind of like a you find uh-huh. out when you find out situation. um And also, I mean, the school is out of their hands. This is the ministry or education yeah. department. They send us anything, like even right now, like we don't know when we're opening up again because we're waiting for official um, information. So um, at that time, it was like, oh, okay, not a nice extension on our holiday. You know, it was, it was like, <laughs> okay, oh, this is not bad. I can do this. And then when, when you get a few weeks in, if you're not getting paid, after a few weeks, you realize, okay, this mm. could get serious. So at first, it wasn't, we all kind of enjoyed it, just having the break. But then, realizing that this is not
0: but the minute s- when school's closed, um, then you are not no longer getting paid as teachers because you're not in class teaching,
1: yes, well, it totally depends on the kind of work contract you have, I suppose, yeah. um, so you get paid per hour that we teach, um so if you're not teaching, you don't get paid, so initially, it was okay because we get to take a break, but then after a while, when you don't have any certainty. <laughs> When you're going to work again, Yeah, it can be a bit concerning.
0: So how long did schools close initially oh, during that period?
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Maybe like no two, three weeks, four weeks. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah, but it was for a while. Maybe a month. I can't remember.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay. So, wow, this is interesting because then your parents came to visit you, right? Yes. Yes,
1: yeah. I went back to work for a bit. Yeah, we were. It, it was soon after we went back to work. My parents came to visit. They were supposed were to come to visit worried? for a month. Uh, no, 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 no. Because everything was still going on as normal, technically. You know, the, there were yeah. still flights. There were no cases in South Africa yet at that time. Yeah. Um. Everything else was still going fine. No flights were, um, stopped or banned. Any so, everything was still okay.
0: I think what I meant also was with Vietnam having closed down the schools for a few weeks, mm-hmm. were they not worried that like maybe this might cause our vacation or our holiday to have problems? Or, you know, did you worry at all about what effect this might have on their not vacation? at the
1: time, no. Simply because there were no cases in Vietnam yet. Mm. Nothing, there was nothing going on in Vietnam yet. It was just like a precaution from the government. Like, and I guess we'll get into that later, but how they deal with things here. So it was just a precautionary thing, but everything was still going fine here. Um, And so when my parents got here, it was okay. And then while they were here, they realized maybe we should go home a bit sooner.
0: Okay. So what happens? Let's get into
1: that. (laughs) So your parents arrived. Yeah. When did they get to Vietnam? Um, I think they got here around the 4th of March. Um, but it was early in March, yes. And they were supposed to be here for a month. Yeah. And then about three weeks in or so, uh, luckily we got to do a couple of things that we wanted to do. We want, we we got to go to Hanoi and Halong Bay. We went mm. to Hue with the train and everything. But even then at that time, um they started checking people's temperatures. You have to fill out health declarations everywhere you're going. Mm. So it was already getting a bit iffy. Um, but we could still move around. And then... Right after that, everything just locked down. Like we were stuck at home. And they tried to get see if they could book a flight back home. So at that time, there were still flights leaving Vietnam, going back to South Africa. But that was right as there were cases popping up in South Africa. So South Africa blocked all flights. They stopped all flights coming in. So my parents would have gotten stuck in Qatar. So they're like, okay, well, it's better to be stuck here than in Qatar right now. So they decided to stay here. And wait until there are flights going back to South Africa. And while they were waiting, there were some flights opening up to South Africa again, but the flights from Vietnam stopped. (laughs) So there was just, it was just so difficult for them to get a flight back home. It was just a big drama. They were talking to so many people and like people with different kinds of information. They were in contact with the embassy, which is absolutely useless here. And Anybody can vouch for that. Um so, what, did you feel uh, just like getting they were
0: not supportive it, of like um. Yeah, South Africans it's like or? it's really,
1: really hard to get stuff done here through the embassy. Um if you need help and you're a South African and you want help from your embassy, it's really hard, unfortunately. So they had to go at some point they actually went to Hanoi. Um I said goodbye to them and they got a f- they got a domestic flight to Hanoi. Domestic flights were still mm-hmm. okay at the time and um they stayed there and they stayed near the embassy and my dad would go there every day he would go to the embassy and go talk to the people because if you call like nothing happens but he eventually they got some documentation or forms that they needed and they were on a list for flights they needed to get on a bunch of lists for flights to Tokyo and then from Tokyo to Qatar and from Qatar to Johannesburg. And you need to be on each and every single flight list. And it was just drama because my mom is on one list, but my dad isn't. And then on the one list, she, he is, but she isn't. So it's, yeah, you know, it was a bit of a headache for them. And I was stressed out for their sake. And on top of that, their tourist visas expired. So they had to get oh. that extended. And that was right as... Okay, so a lot of people who live here on tourist visas, you just do visa runs. Every few months, they go to Laos or Cambodia. Do but you want to explain that
0: like, to people who might not understand what a visa run is?
1: So the visa run is basically if you are here on a tourist visa or if you change visas, you have to leave the country and come back in on your new visa. That's how it works. So a lot of people just go like every few months. There's this little van, the visa van, the visa run van that goes Laos or <laughs> Cambodia, um, or people just go to Thailand or so. And actually, in, and during March, end of March, yeah, Vietnam closed all borders, like no more people in or out, tourists. Like if you're out of the country, you can't come back in. That's how it is. So people couldn't leave. Um, so now they had to do like visa extensions um, through mm-hmm. the agencies, and that is so much money. Or they pushed up the prices, you know, because they're like, oh, these people are forced. To, they can't do anything else. They have to pay. So they pushed mm-hmm. up the prices to like ridiculous amounts, which is very unfortunate. But that was a bit of a headache. But we got that sorted for my parents. It got them a good deal. <laughs> yeah. So also, also, there was also a story with a visa agent. I basically caught her trying to cheat my mom. And what? I called her out on it. And then she just like gave me a really really good price instead. So I'm like, all right, sure, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, luckily luckily that was sorted because I was mostly concerned for that. But I'm just grateful that they eventually got out. But uh, while they were here, even they they actually had a really good time. They enjoyed living here. Just I I told them I guess for the first time now they can say they've actually lived an expat lifestyle because my dad <laughs> they, he would have he would use my motorbike and drive around get groceries. Like, they'll do the regular stuff that people do here. Go for walks in the late afternoon. So, go to the market. (laughs) So, I think they kind of enjoyed it. How long were they actually in Vietnam?
0: Like, in total?
1: So, yeah, I said they were supposed to be here for a month, right? They were here for three months. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, so they were here for about three months. And they lived with me in my studio apartment. um, Which was really, which was actually quite nice. It was not as bad, you know, like not bad, bad, but it's like you would think being with your parents in a studio apartment for three months, (laughs) um, you can work on each other's nerves. But we saw, I I tried to look at it as camping, you know, (laughs) because I grew up, we always loved camping as kids. And I always, I just every day remind myself, like, I'd never get to see them, you know, and now we have time we can spend together together and we played games we watched movies um, we went for walks together my mom cooked and it was actually during a nice time (laughs) because during that lockdown I wasn't working either and I was doing some online work but I wasn't paying enough so I wasn't making money but uh, my parents stayed with me and my mom bought all the groceries and she was cooking and it was actually so nice to not have to be alone during that time because you were not allowed to visit friends or have people come over to your house Mm. either so I was actually very grateful to have them around, you know. So it wasn't really bad. I actually enjoyed having them around. Uh, just the last few days, the last 10 days, they rented a little room in the same building from my landlady. <laughs> so they had their own space and I had my space. Because me and my mom, we are both kind of, we like our space. <laughs> so it was just <laughs> nice to have that. But we still saw each other every day and had dinner together. and so. So overall, it wasn't a bad experience. It was just... Unplanned, <laughs> you just kind of have to go with it. Yeah. What did family
0: say back in South
1: Africa? Like,
0: you know, knowing that your family is in Vietnam and <laughs> they were not supposed to be there for that long, like, you know, what did your siblings say?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, like, uh, they were like, as long as they're safe and, you know, everything is okay. Like, my dad had enough vacation at that time, he had enough leave built mm. up, so that was okay. But his colleague had to do a lot of the work. So eventually, my dad started uh. having to do some stuff online. But um I I think even Heis had had like an interview with them and some news sources oh. back home. Yeah. And like the local newspaper, they had interviews with them about <laughs> <laughs> the couple stuck abroad. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe I should have been interviewing them. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah. Like like they were that? famous, man. In
1: our little hometown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then Wow, so even for you, they go back home. Um, this is around what time? Like June, July? Mm, yeah, or
1: like May ish. I think they went bay end of okay. May, around.
0: And then what happens with you guys? So like, Vietnam is opening mm. up now, or are you still in lockdown, or what's happening? Like, what's the state well, of you know the country?
1: Okay, right now or at that time? time,
0: at that time.
1: Then it was okay. Like the lockdown was lifted. And then I actually should explain this part first, how they deal Mm. with cases they find here. So if they find like two positive cases, they will lock down. It's Mm. (laughs) really... So they're very much about like track and trace where the infection came from. And so once they have secured that and everyone's locked down and they can find out and... You know, put everyone in quarantine who needs to be in quarantine and test everybody. Then if there's no more cases, then everything goes on as normal. So they are still kind of, you have to wear a mask and things like that. Mm -hmm. But after that, for months, everything was fine. As in, fine, fine. Everything was going on as normal. And I realized, oh, we're so privileged compared to other places in South Africa at the time. You know, you're not allowed to go out. You can't buy hot food. (laughs) It's just so many things going on. And we're just enjoying life, going on as normal, going to work. You know, nothing strange. And then there was another lockdown again in around August, September or October. I can't remember. But yeah, in summer that time. And it was also a very, very strict lockdown. What so does that mean? So when like- you are in lockdown, you are locked in. As in, you are only allowed to go out to buy food. Mm. And only those places are open as well. And people obey the rules, you know. It's like... People are not protesting or things like that. You basically just do what you're told. That's how it works. But it has worked here, at least. And they managed to test so many people. I think they managed to test over 12,000 foreigners just in Da Nang in a matter of two weeks. We Uh were all tested. Now, they're very, very efficient in how they deal with things. And I take my hat off to Vietnam for how well they've managed this. Yeah, I'm very grateful for the way they deal with it. So the lockdowns have been strict, but they have worked because once we are open again, then we can just go on as normal. But I think the main thing that has definitely made a difference is the fact that the borders are closed and have been for over a year now.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to understand So It's like when you say they're closed, does it mean that people can leave Vietnam like when your parents left, but then yeah. no one can come in?
1: Yeah, you can leave, but you can't come back in.
0: So it's like tourists are just not allowed into no. Vietnam.
1: Tourist visas have not been issued in over a year. It is impossible Whoa. to get a tourist visa. Yeah. They do not exist right now. So the only tourist visas that do exist are the ones of the people who are still here who have been extending it for months and months on end.
0: Oh, my goodness. So it's like you haven't left Vietnam since, what, you said January or February yeah. 2020 when you came back from Thailand? Yes, yeah,
1: right as I got back from Thailand, I haven't left Vietnam yet. What's that been like? Not bad, actually. Honestly, I have no, <laughs> right now with everything considered going on, I have no desire to leave Vietnam right now. I yeah. wouldn't want to be somewhere else. I think I'm in a very good place, mm. you know, everything considered. So even if we are in lockdown, I I feel grateful to have a job, um, yeah, still have a job, kind of, and still have friends, still being able to go out to the beach sometimes. But just, yeah, I'd rather be here, honestly.
0: But like how has it affected like your studies? I mean, I know you're studying for your postgrad mm-hmm. um diploma online and it is part time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, has it affected your
1: no, progress no, honestly, much it has or not. is it okay? No, because everything yeah. is online and I'm only doing like the theoretical modules at this point. And so mm. it's all online. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be home for that. Um I just got like, a, there were a lot of emails and things um from the institute talking about the the on-campus classes like those kind of things that changed, but I didn't really follow what's going on because it doesn't apply to me, but our online classes and assignments and things went on as normal, it's just my, I would have to do my practicals, uh, my practical modules, I was planning on doing it second part of this year, second semester, and mm. I needed to figure out what I'm going to do at the beginning of the year when I registered for this year's modules. And it's just, I spoke to my parents and I spoke to the dean. I was like, I know I need to finish at some point, but I'm kind mm. of cautious. I'm not sure, should I go home and do this? What's the point Will I get stuck back home? You know, what's going to happen? Mm. And so for the first time, actually talking to my parents, you know, they were, they, they told me it's probably better for me to stay here right now then go home. Um, Mm. And that actually kind of meant something. It's like, wow, even my parents say, and I know how much they miss me. I know how much they would like for me to come home. But even if they say, I think you should stay there. And the dean also told me, it's like, don't worry about qualifying time. Obviously, it's better if you finish it sooner than later. But do what's better for you now. You can always do it next year too. And then that was just kind of a this weight off my shoulders. I don't have to worry about it because I was actually really stressed out. And to just know, okay, I can just stay here. I'd rather just stay here for now, stay put. So, yeah, I feel a lot more at ease knowing I can stay here and just finish that stuff later. Okay.
0: So it's like you'll just have to figure out when you'll complete your practicals. Yes. Um, and then yeah, you'll have to come back the side for that.
1: Yes, I'll have to. No way around that. I've tried <laughs> many ways. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. But how is life going then right now? Like, what's it like now? Just in 2021? um, You know, Um, being in Vietnam?
1: Well, 2021 has started off well. I mean, it was fine. I traveled inside the country. I've traveled some like, went to some really cool places in Vietnam. Like, we can still travel Mm -hmm. in the country. Well, until recently, there was another lockdown. Just now, <laughs> so oh. um, yeah, but that's that's like semi lifted at this point. So the beaches are open again, and then the restaurants and bars are now open, but only until nine. Um, so they're slowly getting back to it. As I think uh, I told you so a we, while ago. Uh, sorry. Sorry for
0: interrupting you. Mm-hmm. I think I just wanted to understand. Every time there's a lockdown, is it only maybe because they found like a single case or like? Like, how do they decide on these lockdowns? Um,
1: it usually starts in one place. Like, let's say there were two cases or three cases pop up. Mm-hmm. They'll lock down the whole city because they know there's going to be more cases. So, there were some cases in Da Nang because it was right near a – there was a holiday. What was a holiday? Um, but it was end of April, beginning of May. There was this big holiday and mm-hmm. lots of people were traveling all over the country and I remember Danang was so busy, like the beaches were like packed, thousands of people. And I'm like, oh, man, mm. something's going to happen. And it did. It did. Like there was some kind of infection again somewhere. And so a lot of places in the country started locking down again. And in Danang, there were a few cases in specific areas, like a nightclub area and a street where mm. there were people. So they just locked down everything. And even in my street, there were two cases in the building across from me, two cases. And my street got locked down in quarantine. I was in quarantine for three weeks. Like I was not allowed oh. to leave my street for three weeks. I had to have friends bring me food and groceries <laughs> simply because there were two positive cases, not two even cases. in my building. So they, they okay. were very strict with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But every time it opens up, you're allowed to travel locally.
1: It all depends. So the other day we went to Hoi An, which is like 30 minutes away. But then there's a roadblock. So they just take, you just do a health declaration and say where you're from, where have you been, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So they just keep track of everybody moving in and out and around, you know. Because I know right now, people are not allowed to move from Ho Chi Minh City. They can't come to Da Nang. Oh. Yeah, so it depends where there are cases. If it's like last year, there was a big case in the northern part of the country, but Da Nang was not affected. So no one from that town was allowed to travel anywhere. So it's very, um, if it happens in one place, that place gets locked down.
0: Okay, yeah. so it's like localized or regional lo- yes. lockdowns. Yes, exactly.
1: So you never really know how strict it's going to be. But yeah, they usually, they take precautions really quickly. So, but right now it seems to be opening up again here, ish we don't know, but we we don't know when the schools are going to open up again, we'll see
0: oh uh, okay, yeah, and how's that? because, like you said, if you're not teaching like your full schedule, then mm. you're not getting paid you know your normal salary like, yeah no I'm not getting paid with- my normal
1: salary, but I'm working online like we we're teaching online yeah. right now, so so that helps it's something it's okay, and it's nice to see the kids still. I kinda got used to this whole schedule. It's nice, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it would be nice to get back to work and you know get paid a normal salary again, <laughs> yeah,
0: but uh, just to end off our conversation, how are you like just how are you overall you know how are you seeing the rest of twenty twenty one going you know what are your hopes, what are your dreams?
1: Well, <laughs> See, that is so hard to say because like, it doesn't matter what you hope for, what you plan, you don't know what's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. But I feel like overly optimistic, I guess, mostly because of where I am, knowing that if something would happen, you know, I would probably be okay here. Mm. So, and I have a good support system. I have really good friends. I have a good job. And they take really good care of us as well. If you need anything, they're always there for us. So overly, I'm doing well. You just hit your ups and downs. And the recent lockdown or quarantine thing, like being isolated for three weeks, started getting to me a bit. But it would with anyone. <laughs> but overly, yeah. I, I don't really have much to complain about compared to so many other people. And But one thing I would hope for more is more for a bit of a better contingency plan for people who have lost their jobs here. Because Danang is such a big tourist spot, you know, there's so many people who have lost jobs since the first outbreak um, and they have to uh-huh. do other stuff now. So the crime, which is kind of non-existent, but even that has increased, you know, because people are desperate. So yeah. it's more of those kind of people who are really, really suffering.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, Nadia, thank you so much for joining me on this little podcast of mine. Like, just thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Zola, for inviting me. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, you have, I just thought it was so interesting you are telling me about, like, what you were going through, even with your parents, and just (laughs) Vietnam itself, like I said to you, I think, has been an interesting case study in how they've handled the pandemic. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's cool to hear from someone who's living there, actually, to hear how, you know, the whole thing has affected them.
1: No, no, I've been very grateful with the way they have dealt with it, so... Um, because you read about, let's say, New Zealand and those countries who did really well. Mm. And I'm like, well, Vietnam is kind of up there too, I must say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. mm. Thank you so much. Raya. Well, Thank you,
1: Zola. I appreciate it.
0: Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thanks. You too. <laughs>
0: thank you, everyone. Join us next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at covidstuckabroad. On Facebook, you can search for CSA to like the page. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at covidstuckabroad at gmail.com. Please see show notes for the links. This episode of COVID Stuck Abroad was produced by Zola Zagut with funding from the National Arts Council's Presidential Employment Stimulus Program. The episodes were recorded at Solar Gold Studios.